Hello, the message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's Favorite House Canada. We pray that as you listen, God's light will flood your heart and transform you forever. Amen. Amen. Glory be to Jesus. You know, and the word God has for us today and this season, we are going to be starting a series, God's Side. God's Side. See, I am on God's Side. I am on God's side. Hallelujah. You know, something happened when we went for the men's um, paintballing event. You know, so when we got there, they gave us our guns, paint, um, the paint, paint guns, and divided, divided us into two groups. Blue team, red team. So I was on the blue team, the winning team. <laughs> For all those people that shot me, may God forgive you. <laughs> eh? The people I shot, <laughs> they take it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So they divided us into two groups. And so we did games together. Then at a point, they said there was, what they call that game? There was a game where, you know, we had to meet with other people. Like everyone present there was going to do like this tournament. And so they meshed all of us together. And I remember... When they were to divide the groups, as all of us were standing, they said everyone should get ready to as- assemble on their lines, with, depending on your color. So I was on the blue team. Then I saw this guy coming. He was on the red team. We were just walking down. The guy wore full military regalia, like he was coming to kill people. His gun was not like our gun. Like he had military gun. And I was already on his cap. I saw the guy okay, I just started following him to his own side. Then the ref said, but you are blue. I said, I'm not blue, I'm red. I'm, di- I'm with this guy. Why? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> whoever is on this guy's team, because some people take it personally. They don't understand that it's just a game. The way they take paintballing, like they go and practice every day. And I told the guys that you guys, all this one that we are doing, because they are all big, and all of them are saying, oh, this guy must be mercenaries from Africa. It's a lie. When they start shooting, <laughs> the way this guy shoots, some people come here every day to practice shooting. So when I saw the guy, I followed him. Why? I was confident that whatever team that guy was on will win. Because who does that? <laughs> who wears a full military, like Navy Seal, like I don't know how to explain it. To a paintball game. But the funny thing about it was when we started the game, it was one of the first people they shot and got out. <laughs> it disappointed me. <laughs> but that's not like our God. <laughs> so what point am I making here? Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? You know how funny it is that everybody believes God is on their side. God is not a Confucianist, though. And he's not a confused person. Everybody believes God is on their side. Even people that do fraud, they pray on their laptop before they scam people. Even robbers pray, Oh, God save me on this trip. I don't want to die today. Let's have a successful mission. Sometimes I'm about to fornicate to say, God save me. I don't want to have STD. <laughs> Somebody that is still in the office, they say, God, bless my also. Everyone. And the, everyone is convinced that God is on their side. You know, the funny thing about us human beings is that we are, we are the ones that are unreliable. We are unstable. God is stable. 
God has a character. God is just, is right. So when I hear people say, oh, God is on my side, God is on my side, I'm like, my friend, you are lying to God's side. Let's not make the mistake. So many people as believers, oh, ah, God is on my side, God is on my side. Yes. But God is on my, your side as long as you are on his side. I pray in the name of Jesus that in this season, God will open our eyes in the name of Jesus. We will position ourselves, all right? In the mighty name of Jesus. I'm sure we are all familiar with this scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? How many of us know this scripture? How many of you have quoted it in your battles? If God is for me, who can be against me? Meanwhile, you are the person that did wrong to the other person. <laughs> That's right. If God... You know, something happened in the United States during the Civil War. And Abraham Lincoln was the president at the time. And the funny thing was, the North and the South believed they were right and God was on their side. They believed they were right. Like, we are the ones that are right. God is on our side. So they kept fighting the war, like believing God was with them. And the guy made a statement. And I want this thing to resonate in our minds. It says, and I quote, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. My concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest, greatest concern is to be on God's side. For God is always right. Why are we having this teaching at this time? As we go into the year 2022, the word that I feel God is saying, of course I don't have a word for, I mean God has not given me a word for the year, but I feel God is saying clearly that we need to choose a side. We need to choose a side. There is no in-between with God. You can't serve God, serve mammon, serve other deities. It's either God or nothing. Or God or others. You can't mix it. So what God is saying is, choose a side. In the name of Jesus, we will choose God's side. God has a position on everything. How do we know God's position? It's in the scriptures. So for the next couple of weeks, we are going to be teaching about being on God's side in different ways of our lives, in our relationships, in our families, in the home. How can you be on God's side in your home? And I pray God will help us through these teachings in the mighty name of Jesus. There's going to be a clear distinction between God's people and the people that are not God's people in the year 2022. Listen clearly. The devil, because of course we all know the end time is near. The devil is working over time and his agents. Demons are working over time. A lot more calamities will happen. I mean, you, I mean, something shocked me. I just had, I had to, I thought about some things recently, this past week. Do you know how someone just wakes up and just feels funny? And then goes to the doctors and they say, oh, you have cancer. Or they do some tests and they're like, oh, we need to do more tests. And they just tell the person they have cancer. Do you know how someone just enters their car and says, oh, I want to drive to do something. And on their way, they just have an accident and they are gone. Do you know someone that seems healthy is going about their day and they just have a stroke? Do you know someone that has been happy, having fun, going about life, enjoying life, 
just begins to get depressed. Do you wonder what happens? Do you wonder what happens? I pray in the name of Jesus that as you go into year 2022, we will enjoy the good of the year. Listen to me. As you enter every year, that's why, you know, we always encourage people to ensure they go into the year right, prepared. There's going to be evil in the year. There will be good in the year. Every year always has people that are victims. I'm sure you know that. There will be people that, when they do a roll call, people that died, people that were sick, people that this happened to, and there will be people that were blessed. As long as we remain on God's side, we will eat the good of 2022. But 2022 is not the year to flirt with sin. I will remain on God's side. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask a few questions. Some of them I will answer. Some I will not answer. I will let you judge for yourself. And this kind of, the questions I'm going to bring up very soon are questions, some of them are simple. But the last two are questions that the body of Christ has divergent opinions on. But I'll give you scriptures. We are going to be using scriptures today. Today we are going to be Bible scholars, learning from the scriptures. Let's see what God says about those things so that we have the right foundation and we know what we are doing. I pray God will help us in Jesus' name. Before we go there, you know, something happened in the scriptures. When Moses went to talk with God on Mount Sinai, and God wrote the covenant on the two tablets, and the Bible says that while they were talking, while God was giving the instruction, God said, hold on, go back now to the camp. They've made a golden calf to worship. Your people have made a golden calf. And Moses ran. And the Bible says that when Moses got down to the mountain, he saw what they did and he was like, what? How can, with all the experiences, how can you do that? And the Bible says, Let's, let me just take you through the scriptures. Uh, and I've said the beginning part. Exodus 32, 25-29. It says, Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted, All of you who are on the lost side, come here and join me. My brother and my sister, if you are an Israelite and you have walked, you've seen God separate the Red Sea, you've seen God do so many miracles, and then a pronouncement is made like that, where will you go? I think every night, I mean, every, everybody will go, Abi, every, every human being should go on God's side. Am I right? Moses came, I think what happened to them was they did not know the consequence of their indecision. Let's read on. The Bible says, and all the Levites gathered around him. Moses told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each of you take your swords, go back and fought one, from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses, Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. Then Moses told the Levites, today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord, for you obeyed him even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. I mean, I read the story and I was like, kill sons and brothers. So people, I mean, of course, thank God we are not in those, we are not in those medieval times. Ah, if it's this time, people will not kill their sons. <laughs> they say, God, have mercy. But what does that tell us? I want to bring something from this story. It's for individuals. Are you getting me? Being on God's side, you can't carry your, your spouse to God's side. Your spouse has to choose their side. 
I want you never, more than ever before to pray for your family members. Yes, grace has covered them. God has been helping us. But in 2022, I don't know. I'm praying to God and I was begging God for mercy that please, you know, if anything happens to those that we love, it will affect us. But what God told me was tell them to draw close to me. Are you listening to me? So it means some fathers, some brothers came to God's side. The other one stayed on the other side. In the name of Jesus Christ, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will stay on God's side. I pray the same for you in the name of Jesus. One scripture that always baffles me, baffles me a lot, was Joshua's encounter with the commander of the Lord's army. I'm going to begin to ask the questions. So just give me a few minutes. The Bible says, when Joshua, Joshua 5, 13 to 15, NLT, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 to 15, I mean, I get baffled by this story every time I read it because of the utterance of that commander of the Lord's army. It says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to meet him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Yeah, the guy's response, neither one. Are you, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you guys listening? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this time, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want a servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. I would have expected the commander of the Lord's army to say, I am on your side. Because he was there on behalf of the children of Israel. On behalf of God's people. But he says, Never. You take a position. God is telling you today, Take your position. Listen, as you go into life, as life happens, you will always have a choice to make. Whether to be on God's side or to be on the side of the, of the world. There's no in-between. Choose a side. The commander of the Lord's army said what? Neither. I am not neither for you or against you. What happens to us a lot of times is we give our lives to Christ and then we begin to live anyhow. You don't care about the work that was done on the cross of Calvary. And I say, oh, God is on my side. God is on my side. After we to ask God today, which side are you? God will be like, I have my, I'm here. Come to me. You know, God is too big. I mean, yes, I understand we use terminology. God is on my side. But your side cannot contain God. I don't know if you understand me. So God is only on your side if you're on his side, right? Do you get me? You're the one that needs to go to his side. Then he will be on your side. It's too big. And the funny thing is, I don't know what we have turned God to. It's like, Modern believers have turned God to. I don't know what to, how to. It's like we don't reverence God. And it's scary. Why? Go to scriptures. Look at how Jesus referred to God. Go and check it. How did Jesus always refer to God? Who, who has an answer? My father. My father. Reverence. Oh, God is on my side. You're fornicating. God is on my side. You're dealing with envy. You know, you are doing all sorts of things and you are saying, God is on your side. In fact, you begin to curse people that God has not blessed you and you say, God is on your side. Let's understand what we are doing. This word is coming to us at this time because we need to take a definite stand. I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. So the first question I have for you is, do I have a choice? <laughs> do I have a choice? Question one, do you have a choice? Of which side to take? That one, we should know the answer. What's the answer? 
Do you have a choice? Uh-uh. Uh, you, you should stop being diplomatic. If you think you have a choice, raise up your hand. You come, must do one of them. Oh. You have a choice. Okay, if you think you don't have a choice, raise up your hand. Ah, not everybody raised up their hand. <laughs> the first time. Now, no one is raising up. You want to be safe. Okay, let's move on. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 to 20, it says, Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you will choose life. I mean, God is so loving. He even told them what they should do. He says, oh, that you will choose life. So that you and your descendants might live. Okay. Yeah. So he says, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My point is, you have a choice. You have a choice. God has given you a choice to choose your side. But as believers and as children of God, it is assumed and we believe that we are on God's side. But do we stay on God's side? With the way we live? That's God's question to us. Do you stay on God's side? Can you say, like, before you heard this message, if you were asked, for sure, can you say you're on God's side? I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. The second one is this. How do we get on God's side? Very simple. We know that. I'm doing this so that there may be people that may be confused. Oh, God's side. What do you mean by that? Second question is, how do we get on God's side? The Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 to 3, I'm going to be making a lot of reference to 1 John. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual side, and child, sorry, and he has, fathered, he has been fathered by God himself. And everyone who loves Father, and everyone who loves Father, Father God loves his children as well. This is how we can be sure we love the children of God. By having a passionate love for God and by obedience to his commands. True love for God means obeying his commands and his commands don't weigh us down as everybody. Listen to this. How do you show you love God? How do you show you love God? Obeying his commands. That's how you show you love God. As long as you are obedient to God's commands. You show you love God. And those that obey God's command and love God, they are constantly on his side. And God is telling us today we need to be deliberate. I pray God will help us in the name of Jesus. Now to my last two questions. Can anything take us away from God's side? So you are on God's side, right? Can anything take us away from God's side? Before I ask, my last, before I ask the last question, think of it. Can anything Take us away from God's side. So we position ourselves to God's side. I'm a child of God. I give my life to Christ. I'm on God's side. Oh, nice. Can anything take us away from his side? Eh? Yes, yes. I, I said I won't answer the last two questions. Go and struggle with it. But I'll give you scriptures. Hallelujah. First John chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. We are getting into something very deep here. And I pray God will open your eyes. The Bible says, Dear children, 
Don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell those who are children of God and those who are children of the devil, anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. That's one. It leads me to my last question. Which will also buttress or help you in answering the previous one. Once I become a believer, is it guaranteed that I will make heaven irrespective of how I live? Answer. Once I become a believer, is it guaranteed that I will make heaven irrespective of how I live? But, I, I, but we know that the popular opinion is once you are a believer, once you are saved, always saved. But I think what happens a lot of times is, you know, our fathers and they're assuming you are, you are a child of God. That means you love God and you are living right. So, that's, so of course, mistakes happen. And I guess that's what they try to address. But let's see some depth in these scriptures. Let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. <laughs> I mean, this was... Let's just, if you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and, and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God, God's son owes them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. What's that sin that leads to death? How many of us have heard this phrase before, sin that leads to death? Do you know what it means? It says there is a sin that leads to death. Eh? Oh, okay, blasphemy. But it's, it's more than that. Does anyone want to try? Sin that leads to death. Suicide. <laughs> Thanks, Ben, for that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh, God. These boys. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. I, I mean, he actually fit the description, no? So it's a sin and he leads to death. Oh, nice. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God have mercy. Ah. What is the sin that leads to death? Eh? If I'm not even like, no, this person is a believer. He's talking to believers. John was writing to the church in Asia Minor. He's talking to believers. Uh, am I right? He says, if you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray for them that God will give life. But there's a sin that leads to death and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. So I'm talking about believers. How many people have taken it? They are fornication. It leads to death. That's what you are thinking. It's not fornication. No. <laughs> that's not it. Okay. Anyone can anyone try to help us out? Okay, Kike. Can we? No, but it separated them here. Hear what he said. 
And some of you are saying, John, he said, if you say a, believer, a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. But he says, all wicked actions are sin, but all, not every sin leads to death. Not every sin leads to death. Not every sin leads to death. Okay. Let's move on. I'm going to tell you that, uh, that's where we are going now. Uh, don't worry, I will not leave you hanging. Idolatry, no. Sin against, no, we are going there. Eh, you, you have, eh? eh? Yeah, but that's blasphemy. That, that's not what we are talking about here. That's part of it, but that's not it. You said? That one is sin that cannot be forgiven. Okay. There's someone that makes, he tries to give an explanation. I will tell you what he said. Then we'll look at scriptures, then we'll move on for there. I'll be good. Two more scriptures. But let me tell you what this guy said. His name is William Barclay. Let's hear what he says about this scripture. I had to do some digging. I read about it. I studied on it, but not like this. The way I saw it this time. So what did William Barclay say? He says, William Barclay makes the following observations in reference to 1 John 5, 16, 17. If he allows himself again and again to flirt with temptation and to fall, on each occasion, the sin becomes easier. And if he thinks he escapes the consequences, on each occasion, the self-disgust and the remorse and the regret becomes less and less. And in the end, he reaches a state where he can sin without a tremor. It is precisely that which is the sin which is leading to death. Practice of sinning. Do you get it? You want to take some time to digest that? There are those that are given to a pre-reprobator. They've trapped God. They are like, they were believers. But they threw God aside and started living the way they want to live. Indulging in sin without any form of remorse. That's the sin that leads to death. <laughs> okay, now let me give you scriptures. Romans chapter 6, verse 15 to 16. I have to look for Paul oh, on this matter. Like, Paul, what do you have to say? This is John's account. What do you have to say? It says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. What leads to death? Being a slave to sin. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Listen to me clearly. As believers, from time to time, we make mistakes. None of us is the most righteous. Only God is righteous. There are time to time we make mistakes. How do you feel when you make those mistakes? You go to God, you run to God and ask for forgiveness. That's how a child of God's life should be. You shouldn't continue. There are some people that sin. They call it deliberate sin. So you set out to commit sin. And those people, because maybe they don't see repercussions early enough, they go back again. At a point, the guilt and the disgust begins to disappear. Then they commit those sins without feeling anything. That's sin that leads to death. So I know someone may be here and say, oh, pastor, I'm finished. I sinned yesterday. I'm dead. No. Go to God for forgiveness. But that does not mean, you know, grace, we, we don't understand grace. Let's, let's look at that scripture. CMM, give me the same scripture in TPT. It will tell you something about grace. TPT, this same scripture. Let me try and look for it. Romans 6, 15 to 16. TPT, let's look at something. I like the way it defines grace there. Romans 6, 
15 to 16. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what are we to do then? Should we sin to our heart's content since, we, since there is no law to condemn us anymore? What a terrible thought. Go on. Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? Listen, oh dear. Grace, what grace does? It gives you the freedom to now choose. Before grace came, you were a slave to sin. But now because of grace, you can choose to live right. You now have the power over sin. Do you understand? See, a lot of people take grace to me. I will keep sinning, sinning. God will keep forgiving me. God has given you the power over sin. He says, grace frees you to choose your own master. But choose carefully. For you surrender yourself to become a servant bound to the one you choose to obey. If you choose to love sin, it will become your master. And it will own you and reward you with death. Sin that leads to death. But if you choose to love God and obey God, it will lead you into perfect righteousness. So you have a girlfriend. You guys are dating. In fact, in those days, the people don't used to have girlfriend. It's only when you want to marry, you have a fiancé, right? Am I right? Yeah, but now, people have girlfriend. So you have a girlfriend. And you guys know that anytime you are together alone, things happen. And the first time it happens, nobody sees you. Ah, but nobody, you even come to church, you minister powerfully. Nobody knows. Then you do it again. Another time. You even be the one that will not be bringing scriptures. There are the scriptures, someone that brought the scriptures to my attention. What one guy used to sleep with a believer? So the guy wanted to sleep. He was asking the girl. The girl said, the guy now opened the scriptures. May God deliver us. And I looked at the scripture and I said, Jesus. The person not put the full context. And I now, my wife had a discussion on it for like, remember that day, like 30 minutes. How to open scripture? Uh-huh. But that's not what the Bible, you know, we dug it out. And I said, I'll be telling my singles that I, I know around me. You don't be deceived by this. They lie. Fornication is fornication. You shouldn't, you should not have sexual relations until you are married. It's meant to be between husband and wife. You get me? Now, your girlfriend, you do it one time. If you God, God has not seen you. Second time, if you God has not seen you. Babe, remember when we were dating? We didn't really do anything. God helped us. <laughs> wait, let me just wait. 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 I will preach my message. Wait. Wait, well, you know, you know, how, you know how two people. Get the funny thing. We loved God. Me and my wife, we loved God. Though. You remember, we used to pray every day. We loved God seriously. But we now found out that sometimes, like maybe when we go and read in my room, hmm. <laughs> nothing used to happen. Nothing used to happen. No. Before you know it, you just find yourself. You just start kissing small. I would say, Oh God, <laughs> I'm getting somewhere. And then. And then we, because we both felt anytime we kissed and we did all those things, we used to feel guilty. So we now went to meet a counselor. Guess who the counselor was? My mom. <laughs> so the funny thing, see, mothers, I want to encourage you. Have a good relationship with your children. Have a good relationship with your children. I mean, as long as you make them comfortable to tell you anything, then you can actually direct them right. Mothers, fathers, it's for everyone. Why did I go to my mother and not my father? I know. 
<laughs> anyway, so I went to my mom. Ha! This is the challenge we're having. We want to please God. But we found out that anytime she said, okay, what I can say that is a good thing that you want to please God. What I will advise is this. Don't read. Don't study in the room again. Stay where people are. We say, ah, that's a wise one. So we started doing that. So for the next three, four months, we're always reading in class. You know, you now feel like I have overtaken it. I have, I have gone up above that sin. Never. I'm now strong in God. One day I told her that this class is getting boring. Let's go and read in the room. And then we went to the room to read. And we probably said we will give ourselves distance. Till we had one that moved near me. <laughs> I don't, it wasn't me. Why is it me a suspect? <laughs> you know, what was my point? We need to flee from every appearance of evil. I finished so we didn't really do well. After that time, we started reading more in class. To the glory of God now, we are married, God has blessed us. We, are, we stay together. We give God all the glory. So my point is, you are dating. And you find yourself falling into sin. You have to, I mean, it's so important that you guard yourself against it. Put things in motion. I mean, that's why Paul says, even if it means hurrying and getting married. Listen to me. Let me announce this today. As a church, if you want to marry in this church, with only yourself and your spouse, and maybe one or two witnesses, they are fine. But you don't even like big, big, you don't even need to do a big celebration. Once both of you are mature, you've prayed, you've prayed with you, and you feel like this is the person God is living, leading me to. Come on a Monday. Just tell me beforehand, who I'll join you. You go to court, do court, we'll do church. Don't need anybody that you go and do what you want to do. Free. I think about you, do, 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 you'll be tired. But God will keep making it sweeter in Jesus' name. You keep enjoying. I don't want to scare those that are about to marry. Oh, so you get tired, Pastor. No, you won't get tired. <laughs> God bless you. So what's my point? We need to be deliberate. Are you seeing now this thing slipping? Now that couple that started and started guilty, after a while, because maybe no one saw them, it continued. Then it became a practice of sinning. That's the kind of sin that leads to death. But guess the amazing thing? I won't tell you the amazing thing yet. I have to read the scripture first. Hebrews chapter 10, 26, 29. This is the last scripture for today. They will take it up. Hebrews 10, 26 to 29. It says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was pushed to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think of how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. That help brings it to us. So back to that, my question. Once I become a believer, is it guaranteed that I will make everyone irrespective of how I live? 
there's an expectation. And this expectation is not something we can achieve by ourselves. God gives us the power to achieve it through grace. Grace. So that guy that struggled or has been struggling with masturbation and God wants to deliver, what does God do? Grace. He gives you strength to stand through it, to go through it. That guy that has been fornicating and that is his challenge. I shared with you guys, I mean, God would help us. I mean, I've seen some very weird people in my lifetime. I had a friend in university that had to sleep with a girl every night. Like, he can't sleep without a girl by his side. I mean, as students. Like, he used to act like someone that was sick. Like, if there's no girl by his side, he starts shaking. He's sick, yeah. I pray God has delivered him. Now, imagine my, my shock when one of my wife's friends called my wife. I said, I'm dating one guy now. And I just overheard the conversation and it was that guy. I just did my face. I said, Jesus. I pray God has changed him. So there are people that struggle with different things. But one thing about the sin that leads to death is God's mercy is still there. The moment you see the wrong and come back to God, he can still deliver. I'm telling you, that's the amazing thing about God. Once you see the wrong, I say, Lord, I am sorry. I've seen that I've made an error. The problem a lot of times with people that are going through the sin that leads to death is because they were born again, a lot of times because they had worked with God. I don't know. It's kind of the art because they are giving a reprobate art. Like they don't care. But if you are one of those kind of people and you are listening to me today, you've heard the word of God today, God can still restore you. I have that to tell you. And he wants to restore you. God is not happy to see his people perish. You need to understand that. I mean, <laughs> you know what God's greatest wish is? For every one of us to make heaven. Everyone on this earth. That's God's wish. So if you understand that God is not how to punish or be wicked, it's easy for us to accept and walk with him. And he said it in the scripture, one of the scriptures we read earlier, it is not burdensome to obey his commandments. What are these commandments, guys? What are they? I mean, if we break them down, you will see that these things are, they are not heavy yokes. They are even for our own good. So in the next couple of weeks, we are going to be teaching as a church and as a family, how do we stay on God's side as a home? Remember I said it's personal to everybody. You are married. What does God expect for, of you as the husband? What is God's expectation? Let's look at it. Because if you don't follow God's expectations, you are not on his side. So what am I saying? That means a wife can be on God's side and the husband is not on God's side. So we'll look at what God expects of us in our relationships. How do we do life? Because life will come your way. I mean, things will happen and they will contend with where you stand. Let's make a choice today and say, Lord, I am on your side irrespective of what it is. You know, that's why Jesus had to say, don't fear man that can only kill your body. Fear God that can kill the body and throw the soul into hell fire. So who is the better? Who, 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 who does it pay us to serve? God. God. Why? Eternity is real. I don't know what you have heard. I don't know what your mindset is. I pray in the name of Jesus that you won't get to the gates of heaven. And then, you find out that what you thought 
made you okay was not really the truth. At that time, you can't blame anybody. It's yourself. Which I always encourage you, go back and be Liberian Christians. Go and read your... Even when I minister here, go cross-check your scriptures. Which is why you see a lot of teachings we do. It's from scriptures. And if you have an issue with the way scripture is explained, please, let's talk about it. Go study your scriptures. The scripture is our manual. There's nothing like, oh, it's my pastor, it's my friend, it's my uncle that told me this. That's not tenable. God is saying, come to me. Let's walk together. I want to father you. Come to my side. Then I will be on your side. You know what it means to boldly say God is on my side? Without thinking, without it, an altar of doubt. You know what can make you say that when you're on God's side? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we will stay on God's side. We will stay on God's side. In the mighty name of Jesus. I end with this quote, this teaching with this quote today. It says, the only way to be assured that God is on our side is to position ourselves on God's side. The only way to be assured that God is on our side is to position ourselves on God's side. Let's bow down our heads as we begin to talk to God. Talk to your Father today. Lord, I thank you for the words I've heard this morning or this afternoon. You know where you are. Is there anyone here this morning that is not sure of what side they are? Is there anyone that can say boldly that I am on God's side? Is there anyone that cannot say confidently that I am on God's side? I want to give you this opportunity this morning. You are going to talk to God yourself. You are going to speak to him yourself. So I don't know where you are. Maybe in your home watching or you are a member of this congregation. I want you to open your mouth and begin to say, Father, help me. Begin to ask for forgiveness. Perhaps you are one of those ones that have begun to indulge in sins that lead to death. You sin and you have no, there is no form of, you know, guilt any longer. Like you indulge in sinning as if sin owns you. God is still calling out to you today. He can restore you. So I want you to open your mouth and say, Lord, I've come to you today. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me, Lord. The Bible says that whosoever shall come to him, he shall in no wise cast away. It does not qualify the person. It's not whether your sin leads to death or whether you've killed, whether you've done whatever. No, 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 no. It says whosoever. So even if you had crossed over to the side of deliberate sin, to the practice of sin, to having a reprobate heart, and God is touching you today, I invite you to come to this Jesus. He's reaching out to you. He's knocking at the door of your heart. I want to give you the opportunity to just say, Lord Jesus, come. I'm ready to yield my life back to you. I'm ready to start another walk with you. I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I forsake my old ways. I come to you for help today, Lord Jesus. I rededicate my life to you. Perhaps you've never given your life to Christ before. And you're hearing these words today. You're like, Pastor, I want to come on God's side. I mean, I've never begun to explain the benefits of being on God's side. They are numerous. They are numerous. You are here today. You are saying, Pastor, I want to come on God's side. You can talk to him. He's ready to accept you. Speak to him and say, Father, 
I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask for the forgiveness of my sins. Today I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I begin a new walk with him today. I forsake my old ways and cling to Jesus. Thank you everlasting Father. Lord, I pray for your people. For as many as have prayed that prayer today, Lord, that you will accept them. Your word says, Whosoever shall come unto you shall in no wise cast away. Lord, please accept this, your people. Lord, as a church, we ask that we will remain on your side. In the name of Jesus. That in all the choices we make, in the way we live our lives, Lord, we will be aligned to you. In the name of Jesus. Every old that the enemy has had over us by way of sin is hereby broken. That work has been done on the cross of Calvary. Lord, but perhaps because of ignorance, we have allowed the enemy hold us as slaves of sin. Lord, I pray for deliverance today. In the name of Jesus. We will not lose any of these ones. I pray for every one of you that you will remain rapturable. In the mighty name of Jesus. You will not do the things that will make you become an adversary of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. The love that has been shown by God to us. That gift of Jesus Christ. Our salvation. Will not in any way, Lord. Whether by trick, whether by blindness, whether by ignorance, whether by sin, Lord, whether by practice of sin, Lord, will not be taken away from us. You have blessed us with that free gift. We will not lose our gifts. In the name of Jesus, thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' name, we are prayed. Father, we thank you. For as many people as are struggling with sin, you know you are struggling with the practice of sinning, deliberate sinning, and it seems you have no power over it. I want to encourage you today that the grace is there. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would tap into that grace. And that thing that it seemed like you couldn't live without, you know, in the shortness of time, you will look at it and you will have won the victory over it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.